Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 1 of the importance when God says, let there be, in creation and for salvation, and how faith is taking God seriously when he says, let there be. Now, this message is available for free download on iTunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast and also at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse that'll come to your email, your phone, just a small commentary and verse that'll encourage you in your day. Sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse at friendshipwithgod.org. And while you're there, if you have a lost Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel, Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor has partnered to provide free gospel materials to you, Jewish resources that you can give to your lost Jewish friend or that you can have sent to your lost Jewish friend. You can sign up and use the online form for having that mailed to you or to them by going to friendshipwithgod.org and clicking on that free gift to be sent to them. Now, if you can't get online, you can always call us at 800-247-3051. We'll be able to take your phone call and assist you with any needs you have, 800-247-3051. We do have an online resource and bookstore that's available at friendshipwithgod.org, but you can also order those resources through our call center at 800-247-3051. Also, if you'd like to make a donation to support this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program with Tom Cantor, we'd love your support to continue staying on this station in this city and broadcasting great teaching from the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, but with the emphasis of teaching out of the Old Testament from Tom Cantor. Now, if you enjoy this Old Testament Bible teaching radio program, you can support us by going to friendshipwithgod.org and donating online or again calling us at 800 247 3051. That's 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis 1 on the importance when God says, let there be in creation and for salvation, and how faith is taking God seriously when he says, let there be. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the water, the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were day one, were the first day. Now, last week, you remember, we learned some very important truths about God. So good to learn about God. And so many times we read, let there be, and then we read, let there, and there was. Let there be, and there was. And what does that teach us about God? Anybody remember? What does that teach us about God from last week? That he is a God of what? Let bees. Let bees, yeah, let bees. Yeah, it was that Scottish accent that I was trying to discern <laughs> through. But I finally got it. Let bees, that's right, God's a beekeeper. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, he's a God of let bees, which means that he is a God of vision. God is a God of vision. That's good. We should be people of vision also. He's not stagnant. So in what we saw, is there any faith that needs to be exercised if you were there and you weren't? In Genesis 1, there's no faith involved, right? Let there be, there was, let there be, there was, let there be, there was. Where's the faith? No faith. But, like you said, Bill, now we have to exercise faith because we live in a time of let there be and what? And not yet, right? And not yet. So then it was let there be and there was, and now it's a day of let there be and not yet. 
But there will be. And that's faith. See, that's where we have to have faith. You remember the universal rules in life? Remember? I gave you two. I'm going to give you a third one this morning. What's the first universal rule of life? Don't make God mad. Don't make God mad. What's the second universal rule of life? Make God happy. Now I'm going to take you to the third universal rule of life. Okay, very complicated. Write it down. Three words. Take God seriously. Take God seriously. That's the third universal rule of life. According to who? According to me. Anyway. So, (laughs) it's the third universal rule of life. Take God seriously. The Bible starts out with this very important phrase, let there be. And And then we read, and there was. But that phrase, let there be, those three words, should burn within our minds. Very, very important. Why? Because in that verse 3, we have a pattern that is unwritten, but it's present in the Bible. We have all throughout the Bible, let there be, but it's not written. And our great challenge in life is to be able to identify those unwritten phrases throughout the Bible, because that's what it is. Get in the habit of doing that. When you read your Bible, say to yourself, oh, look at that. There's one of those let there be statements, just like I read in Genesis 1. There it is. For example, let me show you how this works. Turn to Deuteronomy 31.8. And the Lord, he it is, that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. Now, that's also, by the way, anybody, does anybody recognize that where it may have been repeated in, it was repeated, in the New Testament? Everything that's in the Old Testament, everything, that, what you have in the Old Testament is a flower pots. Okay? This is a flower pot from which a verse in the New Testament sprung up and flowered. And where is it? Hebrews 13.5. For he had said, I will never leave thee, what? You know the verse. You know the verse. You just need to see which flower pot it came out of. It came out of this flower pot here in Deuteronomy 31.8. All right? Because why? Well, isn't that what he's saying? I will be with thee, I will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Isn't that the same thing? As, as, it is the same thing. Don't you think it's the same thing? Please think it's the same thing. <laughs> Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. All right. So there's an unwritten phrase, let there be. What? Let there be God's presence accompanying me, accompanying you through life. Do you see it? He's saying that, let there be. And then you say, by faith, and there is God's presence accompanying me in life. See what I mean? That's taking God seriously. That's taking this verse and saying that God said, let there be. And you say, by faith, and there is God's presence accompanying me through life. Let me show you two more examples since you're catching on to it so well. Turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, the most famous psalm in the Bible. Now, last verse, Psalm 23. What's it say? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. All right. Let there be. Let there be what? Tell me. First part of the verse. Let there be what? Goodness and mercy for all the days of my life. 
God says that. Let there be goodness and mercy all the days of my life. And then we say by faith, and there is what? There is goodness and mercy for all the days of my life. See, that's taking God seriously. You see what I mean? Now, by the way, by the way, why does it say follow in this verse? Why does it say follow? Because he leadeth. Okay, very good. So, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Okay, now, I sent to my friend Dorothy Greenstein, the Polish Holocaust survivor, the DVD on Zvi Kalischer. She was, he was a Polish Holocaust survivor, and he became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you know his son, Menno Kalischer, the pastor in Jerusalem Church. Anyway, Zvi said that he knew God was protecting him in the Warsaw Ghetto. Now, Dorothy was also in the Warsaw Ghetto, and she said, no, Dorothy's very good at uh, pointing out what she doesn't agree with. No, 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 she said, I don't think he knew at the time that God was protecting him, because she said, I was also in the Warsaw Ghetto, and I didn't know God was protecting me, and she said, until later. She's like, during the Holocaust, when one day she was in this, uh, she was hiding from the Nazi soldiers, and she was hiding as a 13-year-old girl in the dormitories of the work camps where the Jews slept in these dormitories, and they would report to the Germans to work every day, and the dorms were supposed to be emptied out, and she was hiding in the top bunk of one of the dorms, and the Germans were checking to make sure the dorms were empty, because if they found anyone who didn't come out when they were supposed to, they'd shoot and kill them right away on the spot. Because the dorms were supposed to be empty, but the dorms were full of lice. And so the Germans didn't like to go into the, the, the dorms to search in them, so they sent in the German shepherd dogs to go there. And when the dogs would see someone, they would bark, and then the Germans would go in and kill the person. Well, on that day, as I mentioned, she was 13 years old, and she was hiding in the top bunk of this one dorm, and the German shepherd dog came in, and he stood up on his hind legs, and his snout was that far from her face. (laughs) They were snout to snout. Uh, Dorothy doesn't have snout. They They were nose to snout, okay? They were that close, And she was a 13-year-old girl, and she was petrified. Her heart almost was beating out of her chest. And you know what happened? That dog didn't make a sound. Did not make a sound. Didn't bark. And she was saved. Afterward, she said, she looked back on it. She turned around and looked back on that memory. And she realized goodness and mercy shut that dog's mouth so they didn't make a sound. And I told my friend Dorothy, and you can pray for her, that I've been sent into her life as another goodness and mercy to point her to the Lord Jesus Christ to save her from the worst dog trying to pull her into hell. Now, this is the first let there be in this last verse of Psalm 23. Let there be goodness and mercy in our lives. But when we look at it, look at it, and, and, and see it, we, we, as we said, we said by faith, there was God's mercy and goodness following me. By the way, um, this is a good practice to get into personally and family-wise and whatever-wise. Because over 30 years ago in our company, we started a, a book. 
still have this book. And every Friday, we took time to review the last week in our company, and then we would write down the specific goodnesses and mercies of God for the business for that past week. We still do it, don't write in the book, but we still, you know, go back and, and look. Let me suggest that to you as a practice, as a personal practice, that on Friday, that on Saturday, that you take time to turn around and see the goodness and mercy that's been following you for the past week and write it down. Because when you do that, then you're going to be following the third universal rule in life, which is... Take God seriously. It's not don't make your wife mad. But that is a universal rule in life. I will tell you that. (laughs) That's important. But we're just not covering that this morning anyway. So you see, just like you saw in Psalm 23, let there be. Let there be goodness and mercy throughout our lives. And we say amen. When you say amen, that means you believe that. And we take time to look behind us and and write down, identify. or, Or if you don't write it down, identify it. And thank God for it. But wait as they say on television. There's more. In the end of Psalm 23, there's a second let there be. What is it? Let there be a place for me in the house of God forever. That's wonderful. That's a good one. Let there be a place for me in the house of God forever. God said, let there be a place for you in the house of God forever. Now, this is a flower pot. And there is a blossom of this verse in the New Testament. Anybody think about it? John 14, both is 2 and 3. He says, my, he says, my father's house of many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you, as John has said. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself. Where I am, there you may be also. See, flower pot, flower. So there it is. So faith is taking God seriously. Now, how important is it to take God seriously. Or, here's another way of putting that. How important is it to have faith? Do you you see that? Faith is taking God seriously. That's what faith is. Taking God seriously. That's what faith is, right? So how important is it to have faith in life? All right, turn to Hebrews 11.6. What's another definition for faith? Taking God seriously. So taking God seriously equals faith. Faith equals taking God seriously. But without faith, it was what? Impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now let's plug in our new definition. But without what? Without taking God seriously, it's what? Impossible to please him. If you don't take God seriously, it's impossible to please him. Isn't that true for you? If you said something and people didn't take you seriously, how would you get kind of angry after a while, you know? So without faith, without taking God seriously, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to please him. That means it's not possible. (laughs) That's what it means. Is it possible to please God without taking him seriously? No. It's not possible. Is there any way that a person can please God without taking him seriously? No, there's no way. There's no way without faith. You can't do it. It's to believe that when God has said, let there be, 
that it is or it will be. It'll be. Let's see how it works. All right. Romans 3.23 is a famous verse. And it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many people have sinned? All. All. Okay, I know you have, Myrna, but I mean, everybody has. (laughs) All have sinned. All right. And then Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. death. It's death. But the gift gift of God is eternal eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Very good. So God says that as a payment for sin, let there be, as wages of sin, let there be death. That's what God says. As wages for sin, let there be death. That's not my idea. It's not your idea. That's God's idea, that there should be death for a, a payment for sin. That's what he said. And in, in, in Revelation 20, verses 14 through 15, it speaks about death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and it calls that the second death. It calls that the second death. And it furthermore says that whosoever is not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Exactly. Now, so what is the second death? It's to be cast into the lake of fire. The second death is to be cast into the lake of fire. What's the first death? The first death is an event, right? Because there is a T-O-D, time of death. They write it down. They'll write it down for you, maybe. Anyway, they'll write it down. It's the time of death, right? Because it is an event. Okay. But the second death is not an event. It is a state. It is a state that lasts for how long? Forever. The first death is an event that lasts for how long? In a moment. Right? This is the time of of death. This is when the first death started and the first death ended, and it's right at this time, okay? Giving up the ghost, whatever you want to call it. But the second death is a state that goes on forever, being cast, as it's called, into the lake of fire. Who experiences the second death or is cast into the lake of fire? Who? Unbelievers who are not written in the book of life. So is it important to be written in the book of life? Yeah, maybe, huh? (laughs) To avoid the second death, right? That's important. And so now, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. And we also know from Romans 10 and 9, a favorite verse of mine, which says what? And whoever will call on his name of his son, and whoever will believe in his heart that God's raised him from the dead, confess him as Lord. It's just that simple. And that's what God said. And he says, will someone please take me seriously about this? He says, if you just confess, which means you believe that he is your Lord, he is your Savior, believe that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That's what God said. And in Acts 2.21 it says, and it says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right. So even though all have sinned, and even though let there be the second death as a consequence or payment or, or you know punishment for sin. And even though none of us have seen literally this lake of fire. 
By faith, we say, and there is a lake of fire. All right? God said, let there be a lake of fire as punishment for sin for those who are not saved, as, uh, as Irene said, the unbelievers, those who are not saved. And, and we say, and there is a lake of fire. And that then, and, and the proof that we're saying there's a lake of fire, that then motivates us. That then spurs us on. So in essence, God has said, also, let there be an open rescue door. An open rescue door for whosoever wants to, to go through that door to be saved from the second death, to be saved from the lake of fire. And, let, and God said, let that door be my, my son, right? I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be safe. So, you see, he is the door, and God said, let there be a door, an open rescue door, and whoever will call on his name of his son, and whoever will believe in his heart that God's raised him from the dead, confess him as Lord and Savior, then let that be the effective open rescue door that saves that person from the lake of fire. That's what God said. And by faith, we say, and there is an open rescue door. And from, that's from the second death, and that door is the Lord Jesus Christ. God said, let everyone be saved from the second death just by confessing and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as their God and their Savior and believe he raised him from the dead. And he was raised from the dead. But we don't see him as the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. And we don't see, as we mentioned, the lake of fire. Uh, we don't see something that, uh, the, the, that happens to a person when he does that. That maybe he's just taken out of the earth right away. We don't see that. So by faith we say, and the Lord Jesus Christ is God. And he's been raised from the dead. And he saves from sin. Do you believe that? Ask yourself the question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that let there be a lake of fire and an open rescue door to save anyone who simply calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and trusts and confesses him as Lord and Savior, that he's saved? Do you believe that? I mean, you know, I know you're going to say, what do you want me to say? No, I'm going to disagree with God and the Bible. No, no, no. Um, and I'm asking you personally, do you, is that penetrated within you? Is that, a, is that has become so much a core of your being that it's really a part of you? Has your faith said within you, God said, let there be. I read it in the Bible. This is all let there be's. Lots of let there be's. I read all that. But now have you said within yourself, and there is a lake of fire. And there is an effective open rescue door to save anyone who simply calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Trusts and confesses him as God and Savior. You believe that? Has your faith said that all a lost person has to do is to simply listen to my message, if you're repeating it, my message of salvation, which comes from God, and trust and confess the Lord Jesus Christ as God and Savior to be saved from the lake of fire. Then let me ask you, if you really believe that, and you really said that inside of yourself, think back now on last week, was there at least one soul, just one, 
who you knew that if he died, he would be cast into the lake of fire. And last week, you told that person how he could be saved. Think about that, how he could be saved. Or just one lost soul that you encouraged to go through the open rescue door that God has made. And then if you really believe that, think back on last week and ask yourself the question, was there at least one lost soul that you prayed for to be saved from this lake of fire last week? Just one lost soul. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program. Now, are you interested in learning more about the Jewish people, their past, their present, their future? Well, Tom Cantor has written a book on the life of Joseph. It's entitled, Understanding the Jewish Messiah and the History and the Future of the Jewish People Through the Life of Joseph. This is our resource of the month, and this book is available, showing you the hope and the pain and the trials and the suffering and exaltation of Joseph in the Old Testament, as well as the Jewish people throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, and also the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Now, if you'd like to obtain a copy of this book, please call us today for this resource of the month. For a $20 or more donation, it'll be yours, 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, a $20 or more donation, and get The Life of Joseph. It's an incredible book from Tom Cantor, showing the life of Joseph and paralleling it with Joseph, the Jewish people, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Get your copy of this book, $20 or more donation at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore, and you can search for The Life of Joseph. And again, that's 800-247-3051 or friendshipwithgod.org for our online bookstore. And you can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program. And of course, our Summer Blitz campaign that's going on with Jewish evangelism. Donate one time or monthly at friendshipwithgod.org or call us today for more information, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us tomorrow.